Hi, this is Pastor Tim. If this is your first time listening today, please stay tuned after the message. Well, this first bowl that they pour out, you know, uh, <laughs> I would love a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch or something right now, but this bowl is not that. This bowl is putrid. I don't know what's in it other than wrath, but it causes foul and grievous sores on these people. That these awful sores come up all over them. They've already got punishment for taking the mark before. They're getting it again, and it's worth now. They smell. They're putrid. They're maybe pus-filled. They're, I don't know if you've ever seen like these spider bites that people... I don't know why you'd ever go to Australia, but they have spiders there that'll bite you, and you start getting necrosis, and your skin starts rotting off because of the spider bite begins killing you. I imagine maybe it's something like that. But it's on... I almost read it as almost two distinct sets of people, and yet they're the same set of people. On one, it's the, the men who had the mark of the beast. And two, it's end on those who worship the image of the beast, right? Uh, so is it two distinct groups? You know, I'm sure uh, those who had the mark worshipped, right? They worshipped God. So everyone had to buy and sell. I believe a remnant of believers were without it. Possibly a small group of people didn't believe, didn't take the mark. But I, I really think in this day and age, you're either worshipping God or worshipping Satan, that there's no middle ground there. Uh, so perhaps it's some people just went along with the world system. They took the mark so they wouldn't lose their job. They wouldn't lose their societal status. They wouldn't lose their friends. There's no reason not to take it in their minds. You know, hey, they're telling me to take it. I'm just going to take it. Who am I? They're, they're in charge. They're doing their thing. I'm just going to go about my life and, and take it. It's no skin off my back, they might think. You know, what choice? Or even maybe, what choice do I have? I have no choice. They're going to kill me if I don't. I don't want to die. There's no point in not taking it. So they take it. And doesn't that sound like a lot of attitude today about certain things in the world? Oh, I'll lose my job. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, they know what they're talking. Oh, the risk. Oh, you know, I, I want to be able to go out to a football game or not. And, you know, and while the risks are covered up. And two, I believe this other sect of people is totally gung-ho. They've not only taken the mark, they have the sticker on their car. They have the haircut to match. They have the t-shirt. They have the flag in their yard. And they worship the beast on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They put on his song in the car and they jam out to it. Oh, whatever they say as they worship the beast. Does that not also sound a lot like today? You know, I used to wonder how people would just go along with this world system. I remember reading Revelation coming out like, wow, this must be so far off. You know, I understand it's coming soon, but I just, I, I can't connect the dots how people are so willingly going to worship Satan. But man, have they not the past few years really shown us how are not things accelerating to that point in society so quickly and they have these terrible sores and it reminds me of uh romans 1 27 uh about men and women who would do shameful things with their bodies uh and they receive in themselves the penalty of their error which was due i'm keeping this pg because we have children here but they get what's due they do sinful things they receive the penalty in their body for those sinful things, the consequence in their body for it. 
And we see some things now going around the world. Diseases which are 99.9% .9 avoidable if you just don't sin. You won't get STDs. You won't get HIV. You won't get monkeypox if you just don't sin. Why am I not worried about it? Because I'm not doing the things that would lead to me contracting it. Yeah, of course, you can get it like... You know, if you got a blood transfusion, there's other things that could happen that you were sinned against, right? So I'm not saying that it's all the case. But man, if you get these things in life, the penalties do. It's a consequence. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. If you don't want these things in your life, well, don't do these things. It's the way it is. No, no vaccine is going to protect these people from the consequence of God's wrath coming on them in these last days. And again... Uh, we're going to see Egypt is foreshadowing here because we see that the second bowl is a sea of blood. And it's not just any blood. It's, the Bible's kind of gross here. It says the blood of a dead man. The blood of a dead man. Jesus' blood was the blood of a, a live man. This is the blood of a dead man. And I'm no coroner, but from what I understand, the blood of a dead man is thick. It's dark. It's syrupy. It's coagulate. It's just disgusting. It's putrid. And the entire ocean becomes it. The ocean covers most of the surface of the world. And it all becomes the blood of a dead man. No light. This is, there's not some chemical that's poured into the water that turns it all blood. It's not that there's an oil slick or anything that happens. It's God's wrath is poured out and God says, okay, that's it. No more life. How many fish are in the sea? How much food? The economics of all the boats traveling in the ocean, right? Not only that, all the oxygen that's made in the sea by algae and plant life and all that gone they're not going to survive i don't know how many years minutes days are left in tribulation but the clock is set the clock is ticking here and everything dies and no matter what the world does to try and stop quote unquote what they believe is global warming no matter what they do at some point the entire ocean is going to turn to blood and they've got no point away from that number three God turns his attention to the rivers and springs of water, uh, that there's no fresh water left, that every drop of water on earth, every source of water possible is turned to the blood of a dead man. And this is a fullness of a previous judgment. If you remember Revelation 8, the st a star called Wormwood falls to earth and a third of the waters became bitter and men died from drinking it. Well, God still left two thirds of the water on earth available for our use at that point. Not anymore. His wrath is full. His wrath is poured out. And that's it, guys. It's everything. And it's interesting, he talks about the angels over the waters, right? He's got power over the waters with this bowl of judgment. Uh, is it something that he has authority over all, all the time? I don't know. But I think at least we need to be remi reminded that there are spiritual authorities over things in the world that the Bible teaches. And again, not everything happens because a demon did it. But I think we either, either totally neglect the spiritual or totally... Go overboard the spiritual. Forget that there is a connection between physical and spiritual. And again, we see that in Revelation. That the, the veil between earth and heaven is torn. And we begin to see heaven and God revealed completely in this time. And they say, you are righteous, O Lord, because you have judged these things. In some sense, if God didn't judge these things, he wouldn't be righteous. I mean, God is powerful. He can do whatever he wants. And I'm sure it would work out, right? But in my tiny man brain, that it's well within God's righteousness and authority to judge these things. And he's righteous because of them and through them. That an unrighteous judge wouldn't deal with this. An unrighteous judge would say, go be free 
It's the justice system's fault that you're a criminal, not your own fault that you committed crimes. And don't let me go down that path too long today. But if God says it's good, guess what? It's good. If God says it's evil, it's evil. If God says it deserves judgment, it rightfully deserves judgment. And who are we to say anything different? It says that they shed the blood of the saints and prophets. It is what they deserve, this translation says. But I like the way the King James Version says it. I think it says it the most succinctly. Listen to this. It says, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For they are worthy. That they are worthy to drink the cup of God's wrath because they shed the blood of the saints. God is upset that the world has persecuted Christians. God is upset that God that they have hurt his children and denied his son. And because they refused to drink the blood of Jesus in communion, they received the blood of a dead man to drink. Because guess what? Like, uh, there's this movie I like. It's these criminals and they're on the phone. He's like, I'm talking to an empty telephone. He goes, what? He says, yeah, because there's a dead man on the other line. That God is giving them the dead man on the other line. They've given the blood of a dead man to drink because they are dead in their sins and trespasses and they have refused the only way out. True and righteous are God's judgments. We have a little bit left, but let's try and get through it. Uh, verse 8 through 11 says, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was filled with darkness. They gnawed their tongues because of the anguish, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their plains and their shores, and did not repent their deeds. Uh, that the sun, uh, the, uh, the sun literally gets hotter in this time. We've seen it get hotter earlier, but now it gets super scorching hot. And this is not global warming, guys. This is not because you don't drive a Prius. Uh, this is... Uh, I believe what we're seeing now is just seasons of seasons, guys. But no amount of carbon tax credits is going to stop these people from being burned when the sun gets hotter. It's out of their control. The sun is going to burn hotter. And can you imagine? You know, we all get sunburned in the summer. We get a tan. We go outside put sun lo suntan lotion on. But can you imagine getting third-degree burns or something serious like that going outside? You've already got sores. You go outside to get the... I don't know, the Antichrist paper. I don't know whatever you get again that day. The newspaper's even around. But you go outside, you get burned. Maybe even inside the shelter. I can feel the radiant heat come through the windows here. Uh, so I got the shades closed. But imagine just being inside and there's just heat bouncing off, you know. I have to close the shades when I'm working or if there's a, something shining on my desk, the sun will it'll bounce off and hit me in the face, right? So I can't work. Imagine in this time. What kind of shelter are you going to have to have to hide in? No wonder they hide in the mountains and cry for, God, for them to fall on them and kill them. But think that through. And what is their response to tasting this taste of hell? They blaspheme God. They yell at him. They curse him. They take his name in vain. They knew he's the one who's bringing this on them. I don't believe it's just some random person taking the Lord's name in vain like it's so common today. I believe they know exactly what's going on. And they blaspheme God. That he had the power over these plagues. And they did not repent. And they did not give him glory. But guess what? God will always get glory. And somehow God gets glory in the destruction of the wicked. And number five, bowl on the throne of the beast. That the Antichrist has a kingdom on earth. 
right? He's got a region that's his hometown, that's the capital of the world. Let's say it's Washington, D.C., right? The swamp. Uh, and he would have his own White House there, right? And, and, you know, it's not in D.C., it's in somewhere else. But God pours out darkness on them. Just like in Egypt. They receive darkness, right? Revelation 2, Jesus said, talks about the, the folks in Pergamos where Satan's throne is. That Satan throughout history has a throne on earth. And I believe it moves around and the global powers throughout history. And, uh, you know, it's behind all these things that happen, behind world events and governments. And not in a complete conspiracy theory, but to think that these people who are reach such levels of power throughout history who don't worship God, you don't think that they're influenced by Satan? You don't think that their sin is leading them off behind the Pied Piper of Satan and to do his will on earth? You don't think that this globalism push is directly from the pit of hell? I encourage you, they, this great reset, they want to bring the world basically back to before the Industrial Revolution. And the estimates for the world capacity bef- without the advances of the Industrial Revolution is between 500 million and a billion people. So guess what? That's like one out of eight people surviving. Well, they're not going to have to do that much longer. If they just wait for the tribulation, that's going to happen anyway. But where in the world is the false light coming from today? Where is all the direction? Where is the the spiritual false light emanating from? Politically, socially, religiously, right? Hollywood, the media, certainly are a false prophet of that, but I don't know that it emanates from Hollywood. You know, the world, like we said, is being swayed towards globalism, eating bugs, lockdowns, LGBTQ. And some of America is resisting. Some, uh, and it's tearing our nation apart. There's at least half of our nation who won't bow the knee to that stuff. And it's tearing us apart because the globalism is pushing this way. And we're saying, no, 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 we don't want anything to do with that. Whether we realize it or not, that's a battle between good and evil. That's Satan's doctrine versus God's doctrine. Our own accountability versus blaming someone else. Our own adherence to morals and Judeo-Christianity versus anything else. The exact opposite. And other nations are resisting and tearing apart. The farmers in the Netherlands. You know, is it Europe? Is Satan ready in Europe right now for the Antichrist to come to power? But America is resisting, and so there's this war going on here to pull away the power from America. America giving away our strategic reserves, our political influence, not having any borders, letting our nation fall apart. Well, that's all designed to bring about our destruction that the Antichrist could come to power. Because you think if the Antichrist came to power now and America was at least in name following God, we would immediately try and wipe him out. You know, we were a Christian nation. I believe we still have a remnant. But God's hand is not in our country anymore. He's on you and I as believers. But our country is falling apart and at a rapid pace. Why? Because we've turned from the living God. And if we turn from the living God, what is there left? Death. If we don't choose life, there's, there's only one other option. There's death. There's only, there's only ketchup and mustard at the table. You choose one or the other, that's what you're going to get. And again, when you read the news, when you go through life, put on your spiritual glasses. When you read these things, consider, where is this really coming from? What is really being said? What is really going on behind this? Again, this kingdom is filled with darkness like Egypt. Spiritual darkness proclaims to be light. Jesus said, if that, if that light which you have is darkness, how deep that darkness will be. Well, God puts this physical darkness on them. Like this physical property. It's not just the absence of light. It's not that they can turn on a flashlight. It's like in Egypt. It's this thick, weighty darkness poured over them. Just like hell. Just like hell. And what do they do? They gnaw their tongues. The darkness is pain. The sores are pain. The sun is burning them. 
and they can't see and they're oh, ah, blaspheming, biting their tongues off because it hurts so bad. And yet they did not repent. It's evident here. They did not, Pharaoh did not turn and they would not repent. And when bad things happen to us, do we blame God or do we seek him? Do we consider that maybe it's just a consequence of our sin? Maybe it's a wake-up call from God and His grace and mercy before things get worse? And not that bad things, when they happen to us, it's always that, right? It's not always that. Sometimes it's just the effects of the world. You know, why did I get cancer? I never smoked. Well, you live in a sinful world, and, and unfortunately that's what happens. But Jesus loves you, and you can go to heaven and live forever with perfect lungs. Because God is gracious, and He always wants us in that better place, ultimately heaven. But sometimes getting us to that better place means us letting, go, letting us go through an awful place physically. And do we allow that awful place to turn us to God? Or do we let it turn us away from Him and blame Him for it when it's really not His fault? Verse 12 through 14. Let's keep going. I think we can do this. The sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great Euphrates River and water was dried up to prepare the way of the kings from the east. Then I saw... Three unclean spirits. This is interesting. Pay attention here. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs, who go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them uh, to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. That the sixth bowl is poured out on the river Euphrates, you know, this important river throughout all of history. But the river dries up, just like we're seeing rivers and things dry up here in the southwest. And one way, of course, it dries up, you know, it was blood anyway, and the blood was drying out, and then the sun got hotter. But I believe also God caused this to recede specific at this point. It wasn't just an effect of the other bowls. It was his own bowl in itself. And why? Because it's a preparation for that final battle. That God opens up this door that was closed previously for these armies to march through. And in a sense, I believe it's like a trap. To bring them all in one place. God says, okay, you want to fight me? Come and take it. <laughs> he opens up the door to the Holy Land. Come on in, everybody. You think you're going to beat me? Let's go for it. I'm not, I'm not preventing you anymore. And God's prevented them through all history. Why? Because he knew that they're going to get wiped out in a split second. And the best part is, I, I believe that they think this is their grand plan for victory. The river's dried up. We're going to march through and we're going to defeat God now. We've got an easy way in. And really, it's a trap for them. It's God's design for their destruction. But guess what? It's only their destruction if they choose it. Hell is the destruction of all evil, but it's only our, it's only, it's only our destination if we choose it. God's design is for us to go to heaven. But we see here this interesting thing about three demonic spirits or frogs coming out. And maybe that's why I didn't like eating the frog on the cruise on my honeymoon. Because it's a demonic spirit. Well, nothing to do with it. No, it's just gross. But... They, he sees these frogs coming out. And we remember there was a plague of frogs on Egypt, that there was even a god of the frogs of the Nile, right? Of the river uh, in Egypt that was called out on them. But honestly, if there's any doubt that the dragon, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are all directly satanic, controlled by evil spirits, possessed by Satan himself even, well, this is the, the moment of proof. The demonic spirits, at least in John's vision, come out of them to go out across the whole world. Uh, you know, do, do these just these figures stop at this point? Uh, it's just a vision of their power going out. Do they really get dispossessed and the spirits 
physically go out? Is it just their power? You know, I don't know how that works out. Um, but whatever their thinly veiled control over these people was, it's evident now that these people are fully demonically possessed and charged. And there's conspiracy theories out there. People believe that there's different types of aliens and one of them, uh, bear with me on this for a second. I know it's out there in whack because it is. But they believe one is uh, rep, called reptilians, that there's lizard people walking around on the earth. Uh, they'll even, you know, you can watch videos and they'll slow it down, be like, look at their eye. It turned into a reptilian eye for a second. You know, and some of it's absolutely crazy. And some of it you go, well, I don't necessarily not believe that, right? I don't believe it's an alien from another world if it's true. It's certainly they're possessed by a demonic spirit. And I can even give you a link to a famous musician I used to listen to. And he talks about his experience in the music. And he's not Christian by any sense of the imagination. But he talks about his uh, experience in the industry um, and around other famous and powerful people. And it's really helped charge him against it. But how he's seen things like this. He's seen people power and possessed and things he can't explain happen in certain meetings with these powerful people. Well, I guarantee that there are world leaders, there are influential people who are directly possessed by demons. Whether they know it or not, whether they sought it or not, I don't know. But they are, and they're in control, and they're putting out music. They're putting out policy. They're teaching your children at public school. Well, what's their purpose here in the last days? To gather the world to go to physical and spiritual war against God in a final battle. If that's not demonic, I don't know what it is. Hey, guys, uh, you want to go to war? You want to be drafted to go against and fight God directly? Yeah! Who in their right mind, if they weren't influenced by Satan, would think that that's a good idea? Not me. Let's go on. Verse 15 and 16. Jesus says, Look, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments on, lest he walk naked and his shame be exposed. And they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew, which is called Armageddon. And Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says, We know ourselves perfectly that's the way he's coming. Uh, that he's coming in the middle of the night. Uh, and... He, he, he commands those and he blesses those who watch, who keep their garments on. Just like the Israelites before on the Passover had to be dressed and ready to go. He blesses those who are dressed and ready to go spiritually for this last day. To be a minute man for God. Both prior to the rapture and I believe also after the rapture. And of course I believe God has good tactical tactics. Just like a special ops team with night vision coming at night. When the enemy doesn't expect it and they're all sneaking up in the dark and they have their suppressors and the quiet and they've already bombed the area. They've done their recon the same way with God. He comes to the thief at night, pop, 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 takes them all out real quick. They had no idea anything was coming. Well, they gather together in Armageddon. It's not that cheesy 90s movie, Bruce Willis. It's the Valley of Megiddo. The final battle is here. That it's in Israel. Uh, it's the plain of Jezreel. Uh, the the word valley and plain are kind of interchangeable here. Uh, so they come across the Euphrates River, right? So what's above the Euphrates? You've got Iran, Iraq. You've got the northern part of the Middle East, Afghanistan. You've got Russia to China, potentially Europe as well. So again, these armies of Gog and Magog are now allowed to flow down into this, into this uh, valley, into this plain. Um, I believe Jesus would say, I have the high ground. And again, to them. Uh so if they're coming in this way, you know, I, again, I don't know what they have, right? They were limited by this river. They couldn't do an airdrop. They couldn't come in with their planes from behind. They had to march through. And I wonder, with everything going on in the world, with everything being destroyed and uh, all these plagues coming on humanity, do we even have tanks anymore? 
talks about the, the, the blood up to the bridles. Are people on horses at the end? Are they back to arrows and swords in the very end? Potentially. Uh, and again, uh, I think this mark on a uh, side note, the mark that they took is not only a technological advancement, but I also think it's kind of a fail-safe. If the grid goes down, they actually have something on them to tell. But let's go on, uh, and I know we're going real long, but let's try and close out. We're almost done here. Verse 17 says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven and from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thundering and lightning and a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had never occurred since men were on the earth. The great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give to her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Go ahead and drink, Babylon, God says. Every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Great hail about the weight of a hundred pounds fell from heaven upon man and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, because that plague was so severe and somehow worse than these other plagues. But the seventh bowl was poured out of the air. A loud voice, God's voice perhaps says it is done. Remember Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That's right. He said, this is enough that it's over. That God is, again, trampling the grapes of the winepress of his wrath, the scripture says. He's trampling Satan's head physically and not just spiritually now here. And it's interesting, the commentary talks about the prince of the power of the air. That's what the name, one of Satan's names is. And God pours out this bowl on the, on the air itself. There's a global earthquake. And this is kind of crazy to think about. You know, we've had some strong earthquakes before, but this earthquake is strong enough to level every mountain, to move every island, that everything gets flattened out and changed in uh, you know, a matter of moments. And Luke uh, 3 says, uh, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Well, the, they're seeing the salvation of God. It doesn't necessarily mean they've accepted him, but the salvation of God is Jesus coming down to be here. Well, Babylon, that great final world capital, whether it is Babylon, Iraq, or just the, the spiritual name for it, uh, the global capital, it would make sense if they're crossing the Euphrates from the capital there, right? Uh, but this world eco-political religious system is being destroyed. That all cities on earth, whatever's left of them at this point, fall because of this earthquake. That everything, the whole world is in upheaval. And, and, and do we not see that today? The whole world is in upheaval. The things that were, brought, were high are now being brought low. That Satan's trying to do his own rearranging the earth. But guess what? God has got final say on it all. And again, I think this is very similar to what happened during the flood. When the continents were divided, when the mountains changed, when the face of the earth was changed during that time. And real quick, it's a hundred pound hail. And apparently in, in July 23rd, 2010 in, uh, where is it? South Dakota, Vivian, South Dakota, uh, a guy found a hailstone. Um, and it was officially measured at eight inches as the world's largest hailstone ever. And he says it was about 10 to 11 when he found it, that it melted by the time they could officially get it measured. Uh, but these hailstones are 10 times larger. I don't know if you've ever been in a hailstone, but even the little ones hurt. Let alone 100-pound ones. Yeah. You can even lift 100 pounds. Imagine 100 pounds, you know. It's ridiculous. And with the whole world in upheaval, I, I have to postulate here, and again, I don't necessarily think that's a physical necessity, but if the whole world is shaking, mountains are moving, things are in upheaval, things are sinking, does the ice, and with the hot sun, did all the poles melt finally, like they're so afraid of? 
at this time. And all that water is now in the air. And with the heat, you get this massive thunderstorm in the air with God's bowl of judgment and massive hailstones. Sure, that could potentially be it. You could also just God saying, hey, let there be hail and there's giant hailstones. But God is making it happen either way. And again, as we close, what did the people of earth do in response? They blasphemed God and they did not repent. So God, let that not be us. Lord, let us not blaspheme you. Let us repent. God, if there's anyone listening, perhaps online, who hasn't repented, let this be their moment to repent. And, and uh, I will stay tuned after the message. There will be a clip for you to pray the, the prayer of salvation. But God, may they repent. May they turn from their sin. May we, God, as your holy people, choose holiness over other things and put away things, even if they're not bad to other people, but we know we're convicted by it to put it away and be holy. And God, would you come soon? Would you let us be your messengers of grace in these last days? We love you, God. Trust you. Thank you that we're not going to be here for this, uh, but that we're going to be riding on you, riding on a white horse with you when you come back. We look forward to that because uh, you're going you're gonna to get them all, God, and we can't wait. We love you, God. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. Thanks for listening today. If you've never come face to face with God, if you're starting to see that your life is not all that it's supposed to be, if it's weighed down with sin and burden, or perhaps it's just empty, you have everything you want in life, but you know there's more. Know that Jesus loves you. Know that he cares for you. And that the reason why he came and died on the cross is that all the things you've done wrong, the things that are called sin, keep you from going to heaven keep you from being close to him, close to the one who truly loves you. And if that's you, all you have to do, like the Bible says, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord and you will be saved. You don't have to do anything else. So won't you pray with me? You can pray this. It's easy. Talk to him. He's listening. Lord Jesus, God, I see that I'm a sinner, that I can't live without you. I can try, but and I have tried, but it's empty, it's worthless, it's painful, and, and it's killing me. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me of hurting you and hurting other people and myself. Please make me clean. Help me, God, to know you and to trust you and to follow you all my days. Be my Lord. And come soon, I pray, Jesus. Amen. And if you've prayed that or something similar in your own words, please... Let us know, visit our website and get in touch, or talk to someone in your life who's a Christian. Find a good church that believes the Bible, that teaches the Bible, that lives it, and get involved. Christians aren't perfect, but God is, and he wants you to be around others who love him. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you.